Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Luke's Gospel, chapter 14. If you would, drop down in your Bible, if you would, to verse number 25. And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children, brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever did not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he hath laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first, and consulteth whether he be able with ten thousand to meet him that cometh against him with twenty thousand? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage, and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out, he that hath ears to hear. Let him hear. I've entitled the message this morning, Do You Truly Desire to Follow Jesus Christ? That's maybe a strange question to ask folks who are faithful in a church like this. But my dear friend, there is a tremendous difference between being saved and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. In these short verses that we read, there were three times. Jesus makes a statement, you cannot be my disciple. He did not say you could not be saved, you couldn't go to heaven when you die, but he said you cannot be my disciple. Isn't that amazing? Jesus Christ, who is love, the Bible says God is love. Jesus said, I and my Father, we are one. He is love. He doesn't possess love. He is love. He invites people to come to receive Him as their Savior. He is the one who lives in us through the Holy Spirit to use us in the way He chooses to use us. John 15, He says, without me, you can do nothing. 
Pastor mentioned this morning that there is a time to be born. There's a time to die, that God has all this in His hand. He has all this in His control. He has all this in His timing and in the time frame that He has. I said that one time in our church, and a man came to me afterwards, and he said, boy, preacher, you said you couldn't die till God was ready for you to die. I said, I believe that. He said, what if I go down to the Alico building? That's a big building in downtown Waco, and it's about 40 stories high. He said, suppose I go down there, go up on the elevator, get out on the roof, and I jump over the side. I said, it's time for you to die. How ignorant can you be? What if I jump in front of a speeding bus? Bye. God has chosen for you to die then. Don't be ignorant. As I say oftentimes in my place, I probably shouldn't say it here, but you'd have to go to ignorant university, graduate with honors to be that dumb, <laughs> that to believe evolution. But anyway, it's amazing when you realize this one who is love, this one that is a personification of love, makes a statement that there are three times that he will not allow a person to be a disciple. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, listen to it. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. They did not name themselves Christians. The unsaved, the heathen in Antioch, called them Christians. They had heard because of the fame of this man, Jesus Christ, had spread abroad, and what they had heard about him, they were seeing personified in their lives. And they said they must be, now listen to it, they must be Christ-like. They must be that person that if you see them, you've seen someone who lives so close to Jesus Christ that you can't tell the difference. I've often said this. I'm so glad that we don't have to work our way to heaven. Amen? I, uh, I, I tell our folks all the time, uh, if you think you have to work your way to heaven, let me ask you this. The way you're living right now, you think you'd make it? If I had to work my way to heaven, looking at my life right now, how I'm living, do I have a hope of making it? No, we don't. Boy, listen, I am so glad that that moment when I was 19 years old, when I put my faith in Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit reached into the depths of hell, grabbed me, held the hand of God, and brought us together. And He imputed to me His righteousness, and I am absolutely perfect in His sight. I have been made a part of the redeemed. I don't have to work there. Let me tell you something. I think people that know me ought to say, you know, Collier's trying to work his way to heaven. We ought to have people think we're trying to do that, even though we can't do that. 
But these people in Antioch looked at these believers in the Lord Jesus and they said, they're Christians. They're Christ-like. The uh, sad truth, I believe, is that, and this is such a burden to me as a former pastor, thought I'd never say that, is the fact that so many people in Parkview Baptist Church are glad they're saved, glad they're on their way to heaven, but they don't really have a deep desire, preacher, to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Why? Well, there's several reasons, but I think probably the big thing is they just like the way they're living now themselves. You ever heard the statement, my way or the highway? By our actions, sometimes that's what we tell Jesus. It's my way, and Jesus, you take the highway. I want my way. One of the men that I enjoy reading after is a man by the name of A.W. Tozier. A.W. Tozier, in one of his books, said this, Most Christians don't tell lies. They sing them. All to Jesus... I surrender all to Him I freely give. What a friend we have in Jesus, but yet oftentimes we don't live like we're His friend. Now what's this? He's always our friend. Sometimes we don't live like He's... Sometimes I don't live like He is truly my friend. A disciple. I love how Paul puts this in this desire because the heart cry of the Apostle Paul and the majority of their early Christians was to choose to have fellowship with him regardless of what it was going to cost them. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, the writer Paul late in his life, almost ready to have his head removed from his shoulders, he writes that I may know Him. The power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, being made conformable unto His death. But do you hear what Paul says? I just want to know Him. I want to be His. I want to have fellowship with Him. But we cannot fellowship with Him until we recognize we have been raised with Him. You go to the book of Ephesians, and there in the first chapter it says that we are now seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You come to chapter 6, and it says that we're to stand against the wiles of the devil. You can't stand against Satan until you know you're seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You recognize that to be a fact. That is a fact. Jesus Christ said to Paul, follow me. And you know what Paul did? He followed him. I want you to look at it. Jesus Christ, now three times through the writer here, he says, they cannot be my disciple. Notice in verse 26, if any man come to me, hate not his father and mother and wife and children, Brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. 
Let me put this in Collier's language, all right? If you and I don't love Him supremely, we cannot be His disciple. Boy, it sounds very difficult here what Jesus says. He says, if you don't hate mother, wife, children, even your own self also, you can't be my disciple. Are we supposed to hate people? No. Am I supposed to really just hate myself? No. Always compare Scripture with Scripture. The word hate here means to love less. Look it up. I remember back, you adults that are here, young people will not remember this. But several years ago, there was a time when we had some hostages held in our embassy in Iran. And the Ayatollah there was holding them and, I mean, really causing a real ruckus. At that time, I was in revival work. We pulled a fifth-wheel trailer. Our daughter, Vonda, I guess she was probably five. And they were in the back seat of the truck, uh, Wynn, her bro older brother, and her and my wife and I were in the front, of course. And, and uh, I don't know why I said this. We were driving. I looked in the mirror, and Vonda was back there. And I said, Vonda, I said, uh, do you love Komini? Ayatollah Khomeini. Now she was been taught she couldn't hate people. And I don't know why I asked her, but I asked her, boy, I could see that little brain just working, working. And finally she said, Daddy, I don't hate him, but I wouldn't play with him. <laughs> Here hate means to love him less. I can't be the dad I'm supposed to be if I don't love Jesus Christ supremely. I can't be the granddad that I am to my four grandchildren if I don't love Jesus Christ supremely. When Virginia was alive, I couldn't be the husband to her that I ought to be and God intended for me to be if I did not love Jesus Christ more than I loved her. It's not saying you love that person in a bad way is that when Jesus Christ is Lord of your life and you are His disciple, you know how to love them to a greater degree and extreme than you do. Because watch it, if you, if you do not love Jesus Christ supremely, watch it, the basis is you love yourself and that's selfishness. And you can't love people. If you do not love Him supremely, if you do not love Him more than anything or anybody, you cannot be His disciple. What does it mean to love Jesus? What I mean, if you try to put it down, how do I know whether I love Him or not? Our English language is really quite limited on how we can say things. The Greek language, the Koinonia Greek that the New Testament was written in, is very colorful language. Hebrew is even more colorful than our English language. Let me give you an example that I'm talking about right now. The word love. Have you noticed we love everything? Oh, I love mashed potatoes. Oh, I, I, I love Honda Pilots. I'm on my fourth one. I, I, I love Texas. I mean, we love everything. 
I love baseball. Boy, uh, Brother Doug took me to see the Angels play the other night. Never been an Angel fan. Well, not California Angels. I've been a fan of real Angels. They're not real Angels. They made some errors. <laughs> but we won three to nothing. So I'm now an Angel fan. They lost last night. I'm not an Angel fan anymore. I'm a fair weather fan. But love, well, we, we love our cars, we love our house, we love our city, we love our church. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with using that. That's not what Jesus talks about loving Him supremely. Four words in the Bible, different words that are translated in English, L-O-V-E. One is the word phileo. We get our word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So friendship, phileo. Then there's the word storge. Storge means affection. That's what, after dating for 15 years, then a young man, young lady, began to be affectionate. Then there's the word eros. That's your Hollywood-type love. I can say that out here in California. That's your Hollywood-type love. That's the, the love that's totally physical. That's what is based on just physical attraction. That's where we get our word erotic from. But then there's the word agape. Storge, phileo, eros, are all really selfish loves. So many times when I'm counseling or was counseling with couples before I married them, they did not have any understanding about agape. It, it, most couples have this, I'll love you as long as you love me, but if you don't love me, I'm not going to love you anymore. If you, if you please me, I'll love you. If you don't please me, I don't love you. That's not God's love. Have you ever heard this? God's love is unconditional. What's a good example of agape love? John 3.16. For God so agaped the world that He gave. Agape love is a giving love. Now listen to me very carefully. Don't, don't forget I said this. The basis of Jesus Christ coming and living and dying and rising again from the dead was not you or me being saved. It was because God so loved the world. If God didn't love us, Jesus would have never come and died. If, if God did not love the human race, He would have put, you know, whatever it takes, and He'd made clay again of Adam and started all over again. I heard a story some years ago said, the devil was in heaven and he's talking to God. And he said, you know, everybody talks about you made Adam out of dirt. I could do that. God said, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, we'll do it. He reached down to get some dirt. He said, whoa, get your own dirt. <laughs> the basis of God's relationship to me and to you is because he loves us. Agape love is loving someone without expecting anything 
in return. Can you imagine if a husband and a wife loved each other that way and they just gave to each other without expecting anything in return? Do you you get the picture? They are getting, they are receiving. And they're giving it back, but they're not expecting that to go. But boy, when it comes, it's such a blessing. Would you love Jesus if He took your wife to heaven? Would you love Jesus if He took the mother of your children to heaven? Would you love Him if He took the grandmother to your four grandchildren to heaven, knowing that she wouldn't be there to watch them grow up, graduate from high school, and eventually graduate from college. She wouldn't be there to see them come down the aisle to be married. She wouldn't be there to see great-grandchildren. Would you still love Him? If your health goes away, Would you love Him? Let me tell you something. You cannot be His disciple. You go to heaven, but you can't be His disciple unless you love Him supremely. Notice that next verse. Whosoever not bear His cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What do you mean, preacher? Bear my cross. Let let, let me me share something with you. Bearing your cross sounds mystical, doesn't it? Man, man. How do I do that? I don't have a cross. How can I do that? Let me, let me, again, let me make it as simple for you as I can. Bearing your cross is saying no to your way, yes to God's way. It's when God says left, you don't say right. When God says stop, you don't say go. It is pure and simple obedience to Jesus Christ as is given to us in leading through the Word of God. It is doing what God says to do when I don't want to. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand, okay? Have you ever been at home and you know you ought to go to church, but you don't? That's not bearing your cross. Bearing your cross is doing what you're supposed to do even when you don't want to do what you're supposed to do. Hey, there's a big difference in can't and won't. If God has placed something in your life where you can't do something, don't. That would be like uh, if, if you're running a high fever, please don't come to church. If you're throwing up, please don't come to church. We don't want to clean that up. (laughs) Stay home. But if there's a good TV show or a ball game on that you want to see, you might ought to go ahead and do it. You know, come on to church. That is saying no to your flesh and yes to Jesus Christ. That's cross-bearing. It's living a life of obedience to Christ. And then very quickly, let me close with this. Verse 33, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaken not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. 
This one posed me more problems than the other two. Why? The little word all. He that forsaketh not all that he hath. I'm a, I'm a literalist. I have, to, I have to really understand things. I, it, I have to get it out. I have people tell me, you know, your preaching is so simple. It has to be for me to understand it. I'm not a genius. When God began to deal with me on this principle years ago, I went out to my car. And I said, Lord, do you want me to get a cheaper car? I will. If you want me to give this one away, I will if I can give the payment book with it, but I'll, I'll give it away. I went to my closet. I said, Lord, I've got six, eight suits here. If I can only have two, because I need one to put in the cleaners and one to wear. If I, if I can only have two, I'll give them all away. If I can find somebody big enough to wear them, I'll give them away. I've got slacks. I've got shirts. I looked at Nanny. I got two pair of cowboy boots. I said, Lord, please don't ask for those. <laughs> I said, Lord, I'll give them away. I realized what he's not asking. He's not asking me to just give things away. He's asking me to transfer ownership. I went to, again, my closet, and I said, Lord, those clothes are not mine. They're yours. If you want them, I'll give them. I have done that. I've given cars away. I've given money. Somebody asked me in my church one time, said, Preacher, you give all the time. I said, when did giving get easy for you? I said, I don't know. It's never gotten easy yet. What do you mean, Preacher? <laughs> I got flesh just like everybody does. God asked me to give something. I went, oh, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> Good night. For the first time in my 60 years ministry and being in faith promise mission giving now for over 50 years, preacher, my faith promise now is more than my salary. I love it. I love it. But every time I write that check, I'm thinking, oh, can I? <clears throat> but after I write it, I'm happy. Why? I did what he asked me to. I was sitting in church one day, and I, I like how y'all do it. I, I sit down here when I'm at home. That's my seat right over there. And I, I give in every offering. I know what I give in my check, and I know all that, that my missions and building fund and, and tithing and all that. I, I give that. But in the plate offering, that's my alms offering. I just pray, Lord, whatever, what do you want me to give today? And whatever comes to my heart, that's, that's what I give. I don't just give the same thing. I, I want to be obedient in it. I'm sitting there one day, preacher, and I bow my hand and said, no, Lord, what do you want me to give? He said, everything in your billfold. I went, let me try the spirits. I mean, I was fussing with God. I said, Lord, I told Virginia, we're going out to eat. And I don't like putting money on credit card. I mean, food on credit card. That's, that's just me. Why? Because when the bill comes due, all I have to show for it is more weight. So I like to pay cash. 
And I said, I, I told Virginia we are going to go out to eat today. And all of it, Lord? I mean, I couldn't get away from all of it. I don't know how much was in my billfold, but I reached back. I didn't even look down because I didn't want it to scare me. <laughs> I just grabbed it in my grubby hand and held it down like that. It came by and I just put it in. After church, I was standing at the back shaking hands. One of my men came up and shook my hand. He said, Preacher, I don't understand it, but at the offering time, God spoke to my heart to give you this. I said, thank you. I just put it in my coat pocket. I said, thank you, Lord. A couple of men passed. Another one came. Same thing. At the offering time, God spoke to my heart. I put it in my pocket. Another one came by. I put it in my pocket. Another one came by and said the same thing. I put it in my pocket. I wanted to say, let's pray again. Good night. <laughs> this is fun. We got in the car and I told my wife what had happened about me giving all of it. She said, that's all right, sweetheart. We can go home. I'll find something. I said, no, we can go out to eat. I said, she said, how do you know you got enough? I said, God wouldn't do that. I just handed her, I said, here, count it. She said, honey, that's $400. I said, what? We really going out to eat now. <laughs> she said, how much was in your billfold? I said, it was not $400. I can tell you that. If it was, I had somebody else's britches on. You see, when he owns it, he takes care of you. I told that at one of, uh, one of our services, and one of my men came, and he said, Preacher, God never does things like that for me. I said, Have you ever given him everything in your billfold? Have you ever done what he asked you to do? If you do, the windows of heaven will open. David said, I've seen the, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Besides being saved, the greatest day of my life was when I said yes to him being my Lord and me being his disciple. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. I just want you to think because he said, let him who has ears, let him hear. In your life, are you his disciple? Do you know that you know that you know you're his disciple? God has such a blessing in store for any and every child of God who allows Him to be Lord. I've preached to the church today. I've preached to myself today as I always do. I want you, if you have been touched by God if, and He's fingered around your heart and you had an ear and you heard I'd love for you to make that decision today to be His disciple. And by the way, if you are so fearful of what somebody may think about you if you were to come forward, 
then you're loving something else more than you love Him. You're loving what people think. You know what folks will usually think? I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd made that decision. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.